Hi my loves, happy Sunday. It's your girl Chantel E and you're here with me tuned in. Um, so happy new year guys. As I just said, it's the first Sunday of the year and if you listened to my last episode, I talked about how this year I'm doing a Bible challenge and how I invited you guys to do that along with me. So for this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about building intimacy with Christ and some tips on how to study the Bible and why I feel like it's important as Christians for us to read and know the Bible for ourselves. So where to start? This is a hearty topic. I'm excited about it. Um, okay, so I think I should start with giving you guys the definition of intimacy. So intimacy means close familiarity or friendship, closeness. So Intimacy is something that we see in every relationship we have, right? In friendships and sisterhoods and everything, there's a form of intimacy. So similarly, there should be a form of intimacy in your relationship with Christ. There should be a familiarity, a friendship, a closeness. And the same way that you would build intimacy in a relationship with a person is the same way that you would build intimacy with Christ. So how do you build intimacy, period, right? So you do that by spending time with someone, with getting to know someone, with sharing yourself with someone, the good and the bad parts, right? And by consistently, right? By 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 consistently being there and having that fellowship with someone, right? Um, so consistency is a really big part of it. Uh, that's how you build intimacy with someone. So for me, for this year, one of my goals was to build intimacy with myself and also with Christ and so one of the ways that I'm going to build that intimacy with Christ is daily prayer spending at least five minutes praying with God every day um and I set the timer not so much as like a okay it's five minutes I'm done but just kind of as like a conduit if you will to just let me know like okay like make sure that you're not rushing through this like because you you really do build intimacy by spending time with someone uninterrupted time so you know um you can pray anywhere you can spend time with god anywhere we are so lucky as christians that you know we don't have to build altars we don't have to you know be in a certain position we don't have to put up an altar to speak to god he's with us everywhere um but we should still be very intentional with our time and we should still take that time and be like okay from this time to this time, if you want to make it structured like that, I think that's beautiful. And I think that helps a lot if you say like, okay, God, from nine to nine thirty every morning, I'm going to pray for 10 minutes. I'm going to read the Bible for five, 10 minutes and I'm going to like worship for 10 minutes, something like that, you know? And if you have that pattern, if you're consistently doing that, of course, you're going to build intimacy. Of course, you're going to have a sense of familiarity because you're spending so much time with God. Um, you know, the Bible says, knock and it shall be answered. Um, knock and it shall be opened, ask and it shall be answered, right? So if if you're looking for that relationship and if you're putting in that work, God will surely hear you and answer that for you. So as I said, we're building intimacy by spending time with God. And one of the great ways to spend time with God and get to know God is through reading the Bible for yourself and knowing his word. So I actually found this really interesting statistic. So in America, 65% of people identify as Christian, But for some reason, only 55% of those Christians read the Bible more than twice a month. And for Gen Z, only 25% read the Bible more than twice a month. So those are very low numbers. And I think this is an issue for a multitude of reasons. But to just touch on 
some of the ones that are jumping out at me right now is one, uh, the Bible has been misinterpreted a lot and the Bible is used a lot to press for other people's agendas. And I've mentioned before how, you know, I used to think that using the Lord's name in vain was saying like, oh, oh my God, and stuff like that. But I've come to realize with age and understanding that using the Lord's name as vain is using his name for your own agendas. And unfortunately, people use God's word for their own agendas. People will pick little scriptures out and use them incorrectly. And for that reason, people don't really know what God has said because they haven't read the Bible on their own to have their own understanding. Or people will blindly listen to um, the preachings of others. Um, which we should listen to pre- preachings. We should, you know, hear what other people have to say the same way that you're here listening to what I have to say about it. But we should never blindly um, accept what's said from someone, right? We should always go back and read for their own un- read for our own understanding. The same way that, like, if I said, like, <laughs> I can't even think of an example, but if I said, like, um, oh, did you know Christopher Columbus, he was actually a black man? You know, just something, like, really outrageous, right? You having had some prior history, right, you having always seen that he was white in your textbooks or whatever, would be like, wait, no, that's not true. Because I know who Christopher Columbus is. I, he, You know, he sailed the ocean blue in 1642. Like, you know, you have that... Um, you have that baseline knowledge to know that what I'm saying is incorrect. So similarly, if you've read the Bible and someone comes and says, oh, did you know da-da-da-da-da? Or, you know, maybe you're in a season of, like, trials and the devil's trying to lie to you and say, like, oh, did you know you're worthless? Do you know God doesn't care about you or your situation? You can stand on the word and be like, wait, no, because... I know God, you know, because you have that biblical knowledge. Similarly, if someone is telling you something like, oh, did you know the Bible says this? As a Christian, you shouldn't just be like, oh, yeah, you know, like you should have that knowledge or you should go and look for context, right? Because something too that happens is people um, pick and choose like verses out of the scripture without the context, right? So if I pick a random um, I don't know, if I pick a random sandwich, (laughs) if I pick a random sentence out of a book, right, or if I just pick one part of the story, you might be like, what? You know, even though that sentence might be true in the context, it might mean something completely different, which is why even when someone is giving you a Bible verse, or, you know, that's why I say in all my episodes, because sometimes I'll be like, oh, um, Mark 7-3, you know, or whatever, you should still go back and read for the whole context to have that deeper understanding. So, hey guys, so as I was rereading, I thought of a really good example of this. So, for example, um, I know we all have heard the verse, oh, he who is without sin, throw the first stone, right? And this is in Luke, let me see, Luke, sorry, John 8-7 is where this is. So, I love this verse. And if you know me, this is my favorite verse season. As an example for this, I can't believe I left it out the first time. But people like to use this verse in the concept on sorry. People like to use this verse in the context of don't judge me, right? So if you call someone else out like, oh, I don't think that God agrees with this, the Bible says that this isn't okay, people will be like, well, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. It's used so grossly 
out of context and it's it so basically in this story which go back and read it right so there's a woman and she's been convicted of adultery so in the law which as i said that's like old testament they were told that if someone's convicted of adultery you stone them right and so at this time jesus was alive and so they told jesus like master she's been convicted of adultery according to the law we should stone her and so basically the story from my understanding it's more so showing the mercy of Jesus in the sense that the old laws aren't like Jesus had the authority to override the old laws and to say, no, we're not going to stone her. So kind of showing his authority in that sense. But on the other hand of things as well, um, they were literally going to stone her. So that is not comparable <laughs> to someone being like, hey, this is wrong because nobody is physically going to stone you and kill you and take your life away for that action. No one has the power to do that but God, right? But Jesus, um, which is what Jesus's crucifixion was, was basically the saying that, you know, he has died for our sins. We have forgiveness. And the final judgment is to come from him. Like we're not stoning people anymore, basically, right? So... <laughs> Sorry, I get so excited about this because it's such a misconception and whenever I explain it to people, they're like, oh yeah, you know, because they're just so used to just saying it without thinking of what it means, right? But yeah, so they were literally going to stone her. So that is very different from correcting someone from a place of love because in the first case, we're actually going to kill you, right? And in the second case, I'm actually doing this to save your soul. I'm actually telling you your shortcoming and your wrongdoing because I want to see you in heaven because I want you to have eternal life. So it's very different premises there and you know, to compare correction to being stoned is just so ridiculous. And people think it's a hyperbole, right? So when they read it, they think like, oh, like, not literally, but but no, like in the text, literally, they were going to stone her. So that's just one of the examples I mean, where like, if you don't read the text, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, let him who is without sin cast the first stone because you've just heard it over and over again used in the wrong context. But that's not the point. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's one of the things. That's an example. That's one of the reasons. But also, you know, having such low numbers of people who are reading the Bible, it's like, how how can we say like, oh, I believe in Jesus. Um, I love Jesus. If you don't know who he is, you know what I mean? Like you haven't, you don't know who he is. So that's part of the reason why I also feel like as Christians, we should know our Bible, we should read our Bible and we should read it continually because there's just so much knowledge and the more you read it, the more things that you'll discover. Um, so it's a book that's not meant to be read once and put down, of course, but you know, over and over again. So um, but I also understand because the Bible can be overwhelming. It's a really huge book. There's all these translations. Um, and let's be honest, some people think it's boring and hard to understand. Um, but I really feel like that's because um, people don't know how to study it or they just aren't interested, if that makes sense. I feel like you have to want and have that desire to develop a relationship with God and really understand who he is. And because if I open a book and I'm like, oh my gosh, I I don't want to read this, you know, if, if it's a chore to me, then I'm not really reading to understand. But having that heart of like, okay, I want to learn about God. I want to build this intimacy with you, God. It just changes things all the more. So um, let's start. So 
the first thing I would recommend is I think it's really great to have your own personal Bible. And a lot of people don't have their own Bible. They use the Bible app and stuff like that, which is totally fine. But I really feel like having your own personal Bible just adds je ne sais quoi. <laughs> that means I don't know how to say it in French. But um, it just it just really adds something to the experience of just, you know, holding it in your hands and just, I don't know. I also just really like having my own book. I've had my Bible since November 9th, 2003. Like there's a dedication page it's pink it's like it came out and it's like it's like a little purse like it came with a little strap so you could like wear it around your shoulder it's it's the cutest thing and it's made for like a little girl but it's my prized possession and to this day I still use it and so I feel like it has my name on it like it's one of my prized possessions so if you don't have your own bible I definitely encourage you to get your own um I've bought bibles for people that were um that had their names on them they're like literally less than 30 bucks plus shipping so um definitely do that investment um and so my bible is the king james version but there's plenty of versions and um honestly i don't really think that there's that much of a difference between the versions the only thing i will say is if you're a new reader um sometimes it's good to compare the niv which is the new international version or the CEB, which is a common English Bible, if you're having trouble uh, dissecting the King James, you know, very formal language, the com- common English Bible is good. Uh, excuse me. Also, it's good because um, sometimes words in the Bible had different meanings than, than they do now. So, for example, one word in the Bible that's used is conspiracy. And that at the time meant treason, but now people kind of will be like, oh, God was talking about conspiracy theories, but he was actually talking about treason because that's what it meant at the time. So if you were reading the um, King James Version, you would see the word conspiracy, but if you were reading the Common English Bible, it would say um, treason. So you would be able to like, you know, you wouldn't get confused in that way if that's something that was bothering you. So yeah, um... Another cool thing that you can do in the um, Bible app, if you have it, like, so like I said, I have my own Bible, but I also use the Bible app because it has a lot of features that I really like. Um, you can even compare two versions. So if you have the King, the Common English Bible on one side, King James Version on one side, you could go through it. And then if there's a word you're not understanding, something that's not making sense, you can um, look at the translation in the Common English Bible or whichever Bible you'd like. You can also click on scriptures and... Um, I'm doing this as we speak. So if you click on a scripture and then you click on notes, um, you can see uh, other things people have written about it. So if you're feeling a little bit confused, if you're like, okay, what, um, what is this about? You can also kind of see like what sermons have been used with that scripture and get a better understanding. Okay, so um, what other advice can I give you guys? I would say also like go through it slowly. Um, it's not it's not like reading um, a fiction book where you can just kind of like skim through and stuff like that. I feel like there's a lot of, not hidden, but there's a lot of deeper meanings and things. Um, so definitely rereading and um, reading and rereading for understanding. Um, also asking yourself questions like, okay, how does this apply to my life? So one thing I got um, that I really love, it's called The Bible. And it's a uh, is it called the Bible? <laughs> I don't think it's called the Bible. It's called the Bible study. I'm sorry. Excuse me. And it's basically a book that you can buy. They have an electronic version and you can buy a um, 
in person a, a paperback version so I bought both uh, but it comes with one for the Old Testament and the New Testament and it's really fancy very hipster like and it's for studying the Bible in a year which is what I told y'all is my goal and as you're reading um, it will give you like questions you know like uh, for example um, so right now I'm reading about Noah so some of the questions are what was the sign or symbol of the Noahic covenant what did God promise why do you think God chose not to wipe out sin completely and just start over? So it has like really good questions. Um, talking about the fall of man, it says, what do we learn about Satan in Genesis 3? So it just has a bunch of interesting questions. Which son did each woman have? So Jacob's sons, like who did they marry? Um, why do you think Potiphar put Joseph in the royal prison with Pharaoh's people instead of the normal people? I mean, instead of the normal prison. So there's a lot of deeper questions that maybe you wouldn't have thought um, to ask yourself and it also gives a lot of historical context which I really really like um, one thing that people have been saying lately that I really don't like is there's like this whole movement of like the internet is free google it you know like and so when you when you are uneducated about something I think also I've been like using clubhouse I'm not really going to be using that anymore I'm not really liking it that much anymore but um on that app, I've really noticed that there's kind of this, like, <laughs> like, if you have a question and you don't, you're not educated on something and you might be like, oh, uh, da 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 you know, people will be like, oh, well, educate yourself, the internet is free, which is true, the internet is free, but sometimes if you don't know where to look or if you don't know what you're looking for how can you find it right so I feel like this book is very helpful because it gives you that general information it gives you historical context it gives you dates it gives you maps it gives you questions so it's a very good book for someone who's looking to understand the bible deeper because there's so many translations there's so many um commentaries and things and sometimes it's hard to find something that like everything fits together in. So I would definitely recommend this book. Um, so yeah, so now that I've given y'all that advice, if you guys have any other questions or if you um, need a Bible buddy, anything like that, y'all know where to find me, S-H-X-E-R-X. So just go ahead and hit me up and I will be happy to be that person for you. Um, so yeah, so, so far I've just started. I'm on day three um, and I haven't done my reading for today yet, but so I'm reading Genesis, so I can go ahead and give you guys some of the, um, some of the overall context that I've gotten so far. And also, uh, the Bible study, on the Bible app, they have plans. So if you look up the Bible study in the Bible app search bar, uh, they have, like, a, it's not as detailed as this, it doesn't have all the, like, facts and stuff, but it's a very basic version of the, um, that you can follow along with if you want to do the reading in a year. And then also on their website, I think they have the first five books for free. So, sorry, I have the hiccups. Um, they have the first five books for free. So you can go on there too and check it out if you would like. So, okay, so let me tell y'all what I've been reading about so far. So I started from the beginning. That's another thing too. Some people will say um, that you can start from... Matthew, some people recommend starting from the New Testament if you're a new believer, so you can read the story of Jesus because it's a little, not that it's more relevant, but um, since that's a, that's kind of like a good starting point. Um, but since I've, I already have kind of like the background knowledge, I'm going to start from uh, Genesis. 
And, um, honestly, I would recommend, I don't know, hmm, I would say start from Genesis, honestly. I mean, if you're, if you're completely new and you don't know anything, maybe I would say start from Matthew, read, uh, the account of Jesus, of Jesus, um, I think that would be a good starting point. And then I would go back and just start from Genesis, honestly. So, my loves, okay, so... I'm just trying to find some information to share with you. Some of the things that I found interesting. La, I'm talking so fast. Uh, some of the things I found interesting. So I'm still in Genesis right now. I think I'm on like Genesis 6. So let me just share with y'all some of the notes I have. And if y'all are reading along with me, um, tell me some of the cool things that popped out to you as well. So, so one of the cool things they have here is they split up the books into like four different sections. So Torah, and I'm reading from the Bible study book so they have the torah the historical the prophetic and the wisdom so in the torah is genesis exodus leviticus numbers and deuteronomy and this is actually um so torah means the first five books of the bible and all of these were written by moses who you know split the split the sea moses deliverer of the israelites moses uh so he wrote all five of these books and so Genesis was written to God's chosen people, the Israelites. They were in slavery for 400 years, so their entire history had been wiped out, and they were given Egyptian history. So Moses wrote this book to teach them their heritage and redirect their views of who God really is. And so I really liked reading that. I actually didn't know. Isn't that sad? Um, because, you know, like, when you're in church, they don't really teach you, like, oh, Moses wrote this. You know, it's something that you have to, like, like I said, you're building intimacy. You have to go and, like, find that information on your own. Um, or in, in your case, I'll I'll give it to you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so I thought that was really interesting that Moses wrote the Torah. It also makes sense because, um, I hope I'm not saying this unfairly, but Jews, like, people who practice Judaism they believe in the Torah. So they, their whole religion is based on the Torah, and, which is the first five books. And it makes sense because they saw, you know, their ancestors saw Moses, their ancestors knew Moses. And I thought that was really interesting too, because um, one of the arguments I would hear for this is, you know, when you start talking and you're like, okay, how am I going to put this? Because this is a lot of information I'm trying to frame. Um, but you know, there's kind of like, well, I know mean, you don't know, but I've heard the argument that like, oh, you know, how can we believe the Bible? Because it was just written by randos and we don't even know who wrote it. How do we know it was inspired by God? And then there's like these lost books, which I'll talk about later. They, they're not really lost. They're really not. Um, but you know, there's like this conspiracy that like, oh, there's these books that were taken out. People took things out of the Bible. So I liked reading this, and I'll, I'll talk more about that in future episodes, but I liked reading this because it kind of shows why um, the Jewish people would trust these books of the Bible, which would trust the Torah, because they knew Moses, they knew who Moses was, they knew that, you know, they saw the miracles that came through God, I mean, from God through Moses with their own eyes, you know, so they, they, Moses was peer-reviewed, like... <laughs> They trusted what Moses had to say. And um, kind of just touching on the topic of, like, the lost books, I'm not going to go too in-depth about it, but, like, those books were written by people who were not peer-reviewed, who they hadn't seen, you know, they didn't feel like these people were really, could really talk on behalf of God, basically. And um, 
yeah, but we could talk more about that later. It's that's an interesting topic all in itself. But yeah, so that's why they believe in the Torah because they saw all these miracles through Moses from God. So that's why they trust it and they still go by it. I also thought it was really interesting how it was saying, you know, they were in slavery for 400 years. I knew that Israelites were in slavery, but I didn't know how long. So, and, and it kind of reminded me of like black Americans um, and slavery in the U.S. and how like black people had all of their history wiped out. So it's it's a very similar type of thing. And so Moses, who was sent to deliver the Israelites, he wrote these books so that they could know who God was because the Egyptians were just feeding them lies the same way that like people say like, oh, um, you know, textbooks just feed us lies and that's not really what happened, whatever, whatever. So similarly, they, the Israelites were in a similar situation. And so Moses wrote these books to redirect the view of who God really was. So, um, it says some of the major themes in Genesis are creation, the flood, the patriarchs, and God's plan of redemption, um, right? And, yeah. So, so far, I've read creation, which is, you know, God creating everything, um, the fall, and, uh, the flood. So, some things that stuck out to me, um... So yeah, Genesis is the first part to a five-part section of the Bible called the Pentateuch, and that's Greek for five books, or Torah, meaning instructions. The Torah is the basis for all of Judaism, and is many times considered to be the law in the New Testament. So yeah, so as we read along um, in the New Testament, when they talk about the law, that's all stemming from the Torah, or these first five books we're about to read, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Uh, the law was their go-to guide, their life manual. The book of Genesis starts off at the very beginning, before the stars, sea, and human race. But in the beginning, God was present. He was there, and his spirit was hovering over the waters. The Hebrew word for God that is used in verse 1 is Elohim. And the plural version of Eloah, meaning that there is more than one present. Present. So Elohim is a, actually a plural word. So that was something I learned that I really loved learning because um, I didn't know that. So it's plural for Eloah. So that means there was more than one presence. So God was already made up of multiple parts in the first sentence of the Bible. So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And they were there before anything ever happened. Then God began speaking things into existence, bringing order into chaos, and speaking life. So, yes. So God created everything. He created at man. He said that was very good. Um rested on the seventh day, all that good stuff. Um, let's see, let's see. What other stuff stuck out to me? Okay, I liked in Genesis 2.20, just some little details that I had forgotten was God letting Adam name all the animals by himself. That's Genesis 2.20. And also in Jewish tradition, a name meant a lot more than a name as we see it today. They believe that a name transforms a person's identity, which is why so many names in the Old Testament describe the character of a person. So when Adam was asked to name the animals, the focus wasn't just on what they would be called, but what they would become. So that was super interesting. Um, yeah, and so just seeing that, that made me like look up my name and see what it meant to me. And so that's something you could do too, is like look up your name and see if it has a deeper meaning. Um... And then, of course, the fall, which is when Satan deceived Adam and Eve. And I, what I really noticed there was how Satan, like, he didn't, um, 
you know, he used information that was true to entice them. And so I think that's something that happens in like the real world as well as like Satan kind of like preys on us and he, he knows the thoughts we have, he knows the information we have, and he can kind of like twist that information into making us, you know, question things. So that's something that we can watch out for. Um, and yeah, oh, this was a good thing. So after, um, you know, Adam and Eve were in the garden, they were naked, God comes, he's like, oh, what's going on? And so after everything is exposed, in order to cover the shame of Adam and Eve, blood was shed on their behalf and God clothed them with animal skin. And then, so one of the questions was, how does that compare to Jesus's shed blood in the New Testament? And I thought that was a great question because I was like, wow, even in the first, in the midst of like the first sin, right? Um, blood had to be shed for their covering, for them to be, you know, covered from that sin in a way. And so similarly, um, when Jesus died, his blood was shed for our sin. So I thought that was like an interesting comparison, something I hadn't thought about before. And then I guess the final thing that I really liked was um, when I was reading about, well, there's so much I like, I shouldn't phrase it like that, but another thing that popped out to me that I forgot about was um, the Noahic Covenant, which was God sending um, the rainbow and saying, you know, whenever you see the rainbow, this is my promise to man that I I won't like wipe you guys out, you know? <laughs> and I forgot about that. And I see rainbows so often and I forget that that's like what they mean biblically. So I really enjoyed that reading. So yeah, guys, so right now I'm at Genesis 6. Um, so I'm going to keep moving along and I will make another podcast soon with where I'm at. But if you guys are reading along with me, definitely feel free to message me at any time. And yeah, guys, I love you. I hope you're having a great first few days of 2021. Pray that all of your desires will come to pass. And I pray that you guys will continue to look for that intimacy with God because he wants it with you. His arms are open. He's waiting for you. Okay. Love y'all. Bye.